0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey guys, Rob Doster here, and you are listening to a Field of 68 NBA draft prospect profile. We're going to be rolling these out all month, leading up to a full first round live mock draft with the six nba draft experts that we're going to be hosting one week before the actual draft itself takes place while you're here if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review that stuff really does help us on spotify on apple Podcasts, on any of the platforms that you listen to the audio of this show but listen that's enough of that that's enough of the promos let's get into today's prospect profile
2: Welcome back. It's another episode of the Field of 68's 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. I'm Greg Waddell. We got Rob Doster here. And today we are talking a very divisive prospect. Some people absolutely love him, think he's a top 10 player in this class. Some people wouldn't touch him anywhere. It's Ohio State's own Bryce Sensabaugh. Six foot six, 235 pound wing, 16 points a game, five rebounds, one assist, from the floor, 41% from three, 83% from free throw. By all accounts, this guy is a tough shot maker and a super efficient scorer. Will that translate to the NBA, Rob?
1: I don't know. Um, I would feel very uncomfortable about drafting him in the top 23, 24, 25 picks, somewhere in that range. Uh, When it comes to what he does well, he is... Um, probably the the best uh best one-on-one player i think in this draft like there's for someone that is 6'6 240 and built the way that he is to be able to move the way that he does and gets the, get the shot offs, get the shots off that he's able to get it's really really impressive like he's so good in the mid range he has he has all the uh whatever whatever phrase you want to use whether it's step backs pull backs um jab jab steps one dribble pull-ups like he's got everything He's got a really, really well-developed offensive package. Um, he can get to the rim. He powers through smaller defenders. Like he is built like a defensive lineman and plays like he's a defensive lineman when he's going to the basket. Like he's gonna try to dunk on you. He could get through uh he can get through smaller defenders. Like he is an absolute analytics darling. If you're one of these people that's gonna buy into like efficiency, um effective field goal percentage, like all of the the, the kind of advanced numbers when it comes to what he is offensively, like you're going to absolutely love this dude. To me, I think the tape tells a little bit of a different story. One, he's not he's not an impact defender. You would think somebody with his size, his strength, and his athleticism would be a better defender than he is. He's got no clue. I think there's a chance that he can get to that level at some point, but he is just lost on that end, and I think a lot of it has to do with, um, with not really understanding what the rotations are supposed to be and not really caring about whether he's in the right spot. Like we talked about it with Jordan Hawkins on a different prospect profile. That dude wants to to guard. He doesn't have the physical tools to do it yet, but he will try and he will bust his ass uh, to be able to be some kind of impact on that. And it's like the opposite with Bryce. He is a guy that is uh, one of the better uh, athletes in this draft class. And it just does not seem like he puts in the effort on the end of the floor. Um, to be able to, uh, to guard. The other issue I have is that I think a lot of what he's able to do has to do with the fact that he has a level of strength that most college players aren't going to be able to deal with when you get to the NBA and you are being guarded by guys that are six foot eight, 235 pounds, basically the same size as you just as athletic as you every single night, what sets them apart now with a lot of these guys in college, What you can say is, well, they didn't have the driving lanes. Well, they didn't have the space to be able to get to the basket. Well, they weren't able to do this. They weren't able to do that. The college game is different. There's going to be no one in the paint in the NBA. He played for Chris Holtman. Now, Ohio State did not have a great season this year, but the one thing Holt does is put four, sometimes five shooters on the floor. There is space. Holtman, for whatever you want to say, if you're an Ohio State fan, you got criticisms about him, I get it, whatever – He is a very, very, very good offensive coach. He's going to create driving lanes. He's going to create spaces. He's going to create actions to put his guys in situations to be successful. And I just, I worry about how that is going to translate to the next level when you are relying everything on being an offensive weapon, a guy that thrives in the mid range and being able to overpower people getting to the basket, right? I don't know how that works. I think that there's a real chance that we look up in five years and this dude's averaging 22 a game in the Euro League, right? Like, I kind of feel like he is, he's tailor made to being one of the best players that is going to play in Europe, where that physical ability will be able to shine through a little bit more. Uh, but I just think of guys like, um, the name that immediately pops to mind is Harrison Barnes. Right, wasn't thought of as a great defender when he was in college. Is a really good defender now with the Kings. Six foot eight, two hundred forty pounds. Is going to be even stronger than Bryce Sensible is right now in this moment. If you're being guarded by Harrison Barnes, what's Bryce Sensible going to be able to do? Right, like I, I just that is my concern with him moving forward. I don't, I don't know if what he does well offensively is going to be able to be as effective at the NBA level, considering the way that he does it.
2: Yeah. Let me go a little story time here quickly, Rob. Oh boy. 30, 30 seconds or so here. But so I, uh, I coached high school basketball for about five, six years before I did any of this media stuff. And, uh, the very first year I coached most talented kid I ever coached at this high school was a senior, right? Absolute bucket getter, like 20, 25 a game. We weren't a great team, about 500 team, lost in the first round of the playoffs, whatever. But it was always like, oh, that dude's a bucket getter forever. Even when we had him, there were some motor concerns. I'm kind of putting him under the gun right now. But like just, you know, very talented player. Always thought we should have been more of a winning team. Always wished there was a little more of a drive there. But whenever we were in practice, when practice end, that whistle blew. He's looking at everyone he can. say, you want to check up, run ones right now? And he didn't lose once in that scenario. Last for about seven years. I'm done coaching. I'm out of it. I go to play some pickup. It's about three six months ago. Haven't seen this kid in seven years. He's put on about a hundred pounds of not great weight, but he sees me. He runs up to me, asks if I want to run ones. We ran ones. He busts my ass, Rob, because he's a bucket, but he's just a bucket, and that's a term that I have used to describe Bryce Sensabaugh since the moment I saw him this year. And I think it's going to translate with him wherever he plays professional basketball. I personally don't think it's going to be in the NBA for long because I question everything he can do other than isolation score. And he's one of the best isolation scorers. He can take you in the post. He bullied college defenders. To your point with Harrison Barnes, he probably isn't going to bully NBA defenders. You said he's built like a defensive lineman. I'm a little concerned that in a couple of years, he might be built like an offensive lineman, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know that the weight he had in college was great weight, and I didn't really see that change over the course of the season. You talked about Chris Holtman. Look, Ohio State fans have completely turned on Chris Holtman in the span of six months, right? Chris Holtman's been putting dudes in the league, one-and-done type dudes in the league. Malachi Branham's in the league. Now Bryce Sensabaugh's in the league. He's got another great recruiting class coming in. And this team is really the team that made Ohio state fans completely turn on Chris Holtman. And Bryce Sensibaugh was the largest part of this to me. Like this team was horrible. They were 15 and 18 with Bryce sensibaugh in the lineup. Chris Holtman's not a bad coach. He's not dumb. And Sensibaugh was coming in and out of the lineup in February. Like he didn't start 12 games for this team. And it wasn't just the beginning. Like it's sporadic. There were reasons that Chris Holtman was like, this guy needs to come off the bench On a really bad team in college when he was clearly the most talented player there. I think he's a bad body language guy. He's not a want-to defender. Like He had a 34% usage rate, Rob. Only an 11% assist rate, despite how much he had the ball in his hands. There was a stretch of games this season where he did not have more than one assist in a game for the first 20 games of this season. Like, and he had the ball in his hands so many times. Um, I'm I'm just firing numbers at you now, but really, there's so much here with Bryce for me. This is the craziest thing I wrote down about Bryce Ensenbaugh. You add up his assist, steals, and blocks this year. Little ways to impact the game, right? That don't involve scoring. He had 69 assist, steals, and blocks combined on the year. He had 67 turnovers. That's not a winning basketball player. And... I don't know what happens. Like, I I don't know what situation drafts Bryce Sensabaugh and can find a way to utilize the good part of Bryce Sensabaugh. But let's be clear. It's a singular part that is good about what Bryce Sensabaugh can bring to a basketball floor. If some genius GM finds that and finds a way to get a coach to utilize that, there is potential for him to be a big-time scorer in the league. But there's too much negative there for that to be overcome, in my opinion. I don't see it.
1: Yeah, the the one thing that I'll say is this: the the footwork, the ability to create space in tight situations, the be, the 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 shot making, the pull up game. Like, if he's able to add everything else and become a guy that is a, a willing defender, that is someone that kind of understands. Hey, look, my role is playing sixteen minutes a game off the bench. Just come in. We're down. All right, let's try to get this 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 thing sparked. Let's find a way to get this thing going. Let's find a way where I can um, be an impact player coming off the bench. Like, I think that there's a world where that war works. Like let's go back to Malachi Branham, right? He, another similar player that is an elite offensive weapon in college that, uh, was not known for his defense is the friendly way to say it. ended up averaging double figures this year for, uh, for the Spurs on a team that, um, was tanking and was not trying to win, but still ended up averaging double figures a game, uh, at the NBA level. Like I, I can see a situation where it works. I just, I'm not convinced – like, it's all going to depend on what that – whether that dude is willing to to buy in on the defensive end of the floor because I don't think that he can be someone that is going to be good enough offensively to make up for the flaws that he has on the de- defensive end. I'm just not – I'm not fully buying it.
2: So I'd also just like to say, and I, I don't want to – I've been very harsh on Bryce Sencevah during this 10 minutes, but – um I was at the Big Ten Tournament, right? Ohio State, like we said, losing team. Nobody expected anything from them. All of a sudden, they win their first two games in the Big Ten Tournament, right? Bryce Sensabaugh mm-hmm. played on them. He was not the best player in those games, but he played fine. Bruce Thornton was crushing. But all of a sudden, there's some momentum here, and people are looking at Ohio State like, wait a second, they might be able to win out and make the NCAA Tournament, right? Like They were three games away at that point facing Michigan State in the quarterfinals. Bryce Sensabaugh decided at that point to hang it up it was a weird move like there, there was no moment that was like an inciting injury this was just like all right i i've done my two games in this tournament Let, let's pack it up i'm ready for the draft now and ohio state beats michigan state all of a sudden they're playing purdue two games away from an ncaa tournament bid and bryce sense was nowhere to be found like i just i have so many questions about how he's wired emotionally and mentally and it, it, look, scoring wise, again, top five guy in the draft to me from an isolation perspective. But that only takes you so far. I have two comps. One of them is another Ohio State guy that people that aren't Ohio State fans may not even remember this name. Deshaun Thomas, big bodied bucket getter, right? Maybe that works. Maybe he finds a way to latch onto an NBA roster. In reality, he was a European basketball player, right? Um, the one that did stick in the league for a little while. Deion Waiters. I think that sense being a bigger, taller, bigger bodied Deion Waiters is probably the best case outcome for him, but a lot needs to go right for that to even happen in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I, I think Deion Waiters is a little bit more talent. Like I think they're a little bit different basketball players, but I get it. I get where you're going with that. I don't, I don't hate the comparison. I, I, well, I'll, I'll be rooting for him because I don't like rooting against players you know I want all, every one of these guys to get that hundred million dollar contract and then give me the four percent for tiing them on uh, a college basketball podcast but we'll see where it ends up going from there I I I look at Bryce and Jet Howard in similar ways and I think that what Jet Howard can be offensively like there is a very specific role that he can play that will work in an NBA offense Whereas I don't think that Bryce Sensabaugh is good enough at the role that he would have to play to be able to make it work long term at the NBA level. Does that make sense?
2: Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I think as crazy as sound, I think Jed Howard is a safer bet than Bryce Sensabaugh. But there's a lot of red flags with both of them. Yep, I agree. Oh, I forgot I'm hosting this. Jesus Christ, Rob. (laughs) This is what happens when we do eight of these, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Well, thank you for watching. If you want more of these episodes, uh, we have over 50 of these that we're rolling out over the next six weeks. Click the description. You can see links to all of them. And make sure you watch our live mock draft as well. That's going to happen a week before the actual NBA draft takes place. Rob, this was a blast, my friend. Thanks for doing this. For Doster, I'm Greg Waddell. We'll see you next time.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: All right, Jeff Goodman here with Terrence Oglesby breaking down all the NBA draft guys and we look at, uh, and I'm looking forward to this one with T.O. because <laughs> uh, we did this last year with his twin brother. Keegan Murray and now it is time for Tio to kill Chris Murray the other Murray brother cuz he killed Keegan last year got a lot of crap and uh Keegan and came got out it and got right a Jeff good year. got it right Jeff I didn't miss
4: every <laughs> single point that I made was exactly right All right let's so let's start, go let's ahead start and with your point
3: Let, let's have you defend your your Keegan Murray stance from a year ago where a lot of people got on you because they felt like you were saying Keegan Murray isn't going to be any good no, I, I said he was worth $100 million. I just didn't think he was worth you know, a fourth
4: pick. But all of that being said, you want to talk about fit? Yeah. Keegan Murray found a perfect fit because, one, he showed this season that he's going to struggle creating on his own, which is what I said last year. Yeah. He got a lot of post-ups at Iowa. Couldn't get those this year. He's going to have to fall into a situation where somebody can create shots and look for him. That's what happened at Sacramento. He's going to average anywhere from 12 to 14 and a half points a game for his entire career. He averaged 12.2, got 4.6 boards off of size. He can guard the second or third option on an offense because of that limited athleticism and narrow shoulders. Guys, Iowa, I got it right. And I okay, like let's his move on too. to the twin I brother. like Keegan
3: Murray. I liked him then. All right, it's let's just talk guys, about Chris. If you're
4: drafting fourth, you got to calm down a little bit.
3: You have to realize you're looking for all-stars. He wasn't that. All right. Let's go on to his twin brother, Chris Murray. Let's do it. Uh, who, again, everybody expected would take a big jump. With Keegan leaving for the NBA, it was Chris's team, right? He went from – he barely played as a freshman. He averaged about 10 points a game playing with his brother a year ago, and they made the jump. The jump that everybody was hoping for, he made it. He averaged twenty and eight this past year. Um, what is the biggest difference between people that think just because they're twins, T.O., we're going to see Chris Murray doing the same things that we saw Keegan Murray do this past year in the NBA? Well, I think the biggest difference is the percentages
4: from three point from the three point line. Yes, uh, but Chris Murray, I'm not worried about that. Right. I, I'm not I think he's a very good shooter. I, I think him being the the number one option on an Iowa team this year that relied on him to take a couple of tough ones, I think was a major factor in this, but let's keep in mind too, his sophomore year, he shot 38.7. It's a simple shot. It's going to get off quick. I think it projects well at the NBA level. I think you're going to be able to get good value for him later in the draft. He's not going to be somebody that's expected to make this massive thing like Keegan was, but again, Jeff, just like Keegan, Chris Murray is going to come all down to fit and where he's put at. I mean, he's got good projectable size. He's going to be able to guard the third or fourth option. He does a lot of good things on the floor. Can he shoot the ball with consistency? I think that he will be able to because it's like I said, Jeff, it's a simple shot, it's a quick release. But that being said, we're not looking at a high-volume score at the NBA level to the tune of a 20 points per game like he had right. this year In an excellent year for the Hawkeyes. But th- at the NBA level, he's not going to be able to create some of those same looks, but quality role-player potential because of his size and ability to shoot
3: the basketball. Yeah, listen, again, and everybody's saying like how different he is from Keegan. I don't think he's that different. I don't, I don't. think so either. I think Keegan's going to be better. I think Keegan's going to be better. But ultimately, I think Chris Murray does some of the same things that Keegan Murray does, right? He's kind of a combo forward uh, who can, if you put him around the right guys, he can make shots, he can score, you know, probably from all three levels to some degree. I mean, I I don't know how much he's going to score around the basket, but, you know, the biggest thing I worry about with Chris Murray is, is, again, lack of athleticism. If if you put him on the wrong team, does he become just a guy that can't even really get off the bench and, and right. gives you you know gives you 6 to 8 minutes and he doesn't do much more like Keegan there's there's also that investment as the fourth pick sure. you got to make sure that he plays if Chris is going in the late first early second there is not going to be that level of investment in Chris Murray he's going to have to kind of do it uh by himself and make sure that that coach under like why why are you why do you have to get if he's not making shots? He's not a great defender, right? Mid range guy that's great, but like you got to make threes. You got to yeah. make threes if you're going to get in the floor, Chris Murray, because you, you're, again, you're not going to get on for your defense. You're not getting on for your athleticism. You can't break dudes down. So to me, it's like you better eventually become a 40% three point shooter or close to it in order to get in the floor and stay on the floor.
4: Yeah, and I think the, another big difference between him and Ke- I felt like Keegan was a little bit rangier in his movements. And, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, everybody shoots, the does this, you know, ball fake, let a defender go flying, and then yeah. take a step to the left or something. Keegan would get, let's just arbitrary number, let's say he would get three feet to where I think Chris would get two feet. And I, I just don't know that Chris is going to be able to uh, create that same level of separation and get something off quicker. I felt like Keegan was a little bit more fluid in his movements, But all of that being said, because of Chris's shot and how simple it is, it's entirely possible for him to be a guy that comes off the bench, doesn't have to play all that much, and then comes in and knocks down two threes and then goes back and sits down. Because it is a very simple shot. It comes, it's out of his hands quick, and he is an immediate floor spacer. And 33.5%, a lot more to do with shot selection, I believe, and the level of defender that was guarding him. NBA is different. He's going to have a little bit more time. Uh, Is he going to be that off the bench kind of spark that could hit a couple of threes? I think that's ultimately where Chris Murray's uh, ceiling is at the NBA level. But I think you made a great point, Jeff, in that when you're the fourth pick, there's a lot of financial investment. You have to make sure that you're getting every bit out of this player that you can. Keegan's going to, Keegan has that benefit. Chris is not going to have that benefit where he lands is crucial and is he going to be able to make shots in
3: limited minutes at times is also going to be crucial. He turns, he'll turns, he turn 23 uh, before the start of his rookie season. You know, again, it's not such a disadvantage for a guy if you're going to draft him in the 30s. Um, you know, obviously, you, you kind of understand his upside here. It, it's really more about getting a second-unit guy, I think, here who knows how to play, um, you know, who, who, who's not going to be an issue off the court, you know, he's going to be a a good, solid, high character, second unit player, who's going to be a piece for, you know, to me, a good team should want him coming off the bench. Like, could he be, he's different, but like a George Niang type. Like that type of guy, right? Like George Niang gets on the court, they kind of stick him in the corner, he'll make open threes, he won't hurt in the defensive end because he's smart, Um, high character, you know, just kind of uh, the, – the difference, George Niang's very vocal and brings energy. Can Chris Murray be that? And he's much I, I'm bigger. I'm not sure. That's not Chris Murray. Yeah, and he's much bigger. Right. The, the whole
4: Chris Murray thing, I, I think, you know, can he defend at a high enough level to stay on the floor for more minutes? But th- this is going to come down to, hey, I can be a quick – I can be a quick fix for an offense that's struggling. I think he's that kind of guy. And and I caught some flack last year for saying, Keegan, you know, he got a lot of offense uh, at Iowa by fast break, pushing it really quick and then going down and sealing. Same thing with Chris. I, I mean, they do a lot of those same things. Push it early in transition, try to get an early seal really close to the lane. And he was able to use his athleticism at the college level to finish up over the top and have a couple of dunks. Save your dunk memes for somebody else. I don't need to see him. But like, he's a guy that, uh, that flourished off of some of those actions. Chris is going to be a spark plug off the bench, a guy that can hit some shots along with kind of these, these really quick point guards that need some players around him. He's that piece. We talk about Anthony Black that early in his career might need to be surrounded by shooters that plays along the side on the wing. I think Chris Murray could be one of those pieces, not necessarily with Anthony Black, but one of those pieces that could help open the floor for uh, a a playmaking guard, that's where he could bring value. Can he guard consistently? I think 34th option, I think he could. I don't think he's as mobile as Keegan, but I also think because of that 6'8", 220 pounds, he's going to be able to guard some different positions.
3: Are you investing a first-round pick, the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th pick, on Chris Murray, or are you waiting – or are you taking somebody with higher upside, you know, a Jordan Walsh, somebody of that nature – Uh, Obviously, they're very different players, but where are you comfortable taking Chris Murray?
4: It it depends on team. I mean, if I'm the Boston Celtics and I'm loaded to the brim with wings, I'm, I'm probably going a higher upside player. If I'm somebody like Golden State that needs some youth, that needs some extra shooting, especially in that second unit, I, I would consider Chris Murray just because his ability to space it out and, and do some different things offensively. I, this is not a guy that's going to be extremely versatile at the NBA level. This is a guy who's going to catch and shoot a lot. He's going to catch ball fake, shoot in a corner a lot. He's a guy that's going to be relied on to get a couple of rebounds here and there. Uh, he's old. I would prefer upside. If it depends on team, like I said, fits everything. If I'm Boston, probably going a higher upside guy, maybe at the guard spot, late in the first, maybe an overseas guy. If I'm somebody like a Golden State who needs help off the bench, a guy that can just continue to run whatever Steve Kerr wants as far as transition, moving the ball, kicking ahead, dribble handoffs, moving it quickly, he's a ball mover, a shot maker, not a creator with the ball in his hands. Uh, He's a piece. Then I would look to maybe bring him in as a second unit guy who can make shots.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I'd I probably take Chris Murray in the second round. For me, yeah. I, I think he's more of an early second round, a 30s guy. Uh, obviously, he made a huge jump between his sophomore and junior year at Iowa, like his brother, but he's not Keegan Murray. 6'8", 220 uh, forward. Chris Murray, breaking it down here with Terrence Orlesby. I'm Jeff Goodman, Field of 68. Make sure you watch all of our NBA draft profiles. We'll see you soon.